Thanks for joining us for another inspiring message from Alive Church, Orange County. To find out more information about Alive Church, please visit alivechurchoc.org. You can also follow us on your favorite social media platform by typing in Alive Church OC. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Uh, before I get started, I want to just ask, did everyone enjoy the fellowship on Friday night? I know the men I heard had a really good time bowling and the women, oh my God, we were taught about wisdom and the spiritual truths to, the, uh, to wisdom. Oh wow, look at the guys. <laughs> Yeah, I heard the guys had a, a, an awesome time, and we did. Oh, my God, Mason looks surprised. And we had an awesome time, the women, with our fellowship and with the word. It was such a, a great time. We had a breakout session, and all of the women got to share. And I heard so many great stories of how the word impacted them and even how the sharing amongst one another was so powerful. So I hope that you had a chance to go. And if not, next time, be there. Amen. 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 So we're going to get ready for the word. Let me tell you, God has been dealing with me about this word for a couple of months now. And I was sharing with somebody, I think it was on last week, that one of the things that I've noticed that has been happening to me is before I come up and deliver this word, I have to walk it out. And so these, this is one of the words that I had to literally walk out. The word word on today is about positioning ourselves for fruitfulness. Position for fruitfulness. So for the past couple of months, I have been going through it. I felt like I've been on a roller coaster that would not stop. Stop. And um, I've been through a time of testing. I've been through a time of pruning. I've been through a time of shaping, exposure, where God was exposing my character to me, exposing my heart to me. I've been through a time of surrender and even submission and even correction. How many of you know that God chastens the ones that he loves? And so God even put me through a time where he had to come in and do some correcting and shaping me up. But what's funny about this is right before he placed me in the fire, he told me to, he placed upon my heart to read first and second Samuel. And not just that, he gave me some other books with some other chapters. And of course, I had life going on. I had my little foot thing and I'm trying to get back to work and then preparing for the upcoming messages that I had. And I did not read it right then. And so what I didn't under, did, what I didn't realize is that he had placed that on my heart so that I could read it and know how to walk through what he was about to put me through. And so um, I didn't handle the fire too well. <laughs> uh, and if I would have read it, because after I preached the word on the beauty of surrender, if I had have, if I would have followed his instructions when he placed that on my heart, I would have handled the fire like a champ. Why? Because there are so many lessons to be learned through the lives of David and Saul and Samuel and Eli and his sons, as well as Hannah and Penina and Abraham and Sarah. And they all had two things in common when I was reading it that really stood out to me. And one of, uh, one of them was they wanted what they wanted and they wanted it now. 
And because of this, they were envious, they coveted, they were tormented, they moved outside of the will of God. They made horrible decisions that had major consequences, not only in their life, but in the legacy of their family. And the key was they lost focus. Instead of focusing on God, they focused on their current situation. They focused on their current situations. They focused on their own desires. And they focused on the blessings and the favor of God that they saw on the lives of other people. And, you know, for me, I felt the same way and could relate to some of the situations. But for me, I felt like um, things were at a standstill in my life and that I was doing all that I knew to do and things were just not changing. So it appeared. And because I caved in to the things I saw in the natural, I did not see the blessings and the favor of God that was right there before my eyes. And I got out of position. And when I got out of position, I stopped seeing the fruitfulness of God flow through my life. So I want to encourage you today that you are not barren. You are not destitute. You are not incapable of producing. You are not without capacity. You are not purposeless. God has not abandoned you. You have been intentionally designed by God to live a fruitful life. So it does not matter where we see ourselves at this time. Psalm 33 and 11 says, but what the Lord has planned will stand forever. His thoughts will never change. That means his plans for us will not change. They stand forever. And if you feel like the hand of God is not at work in your life, God is indeed working. I know we sometimes feel like time is running out on our purpose, but it's not. The promise of God for our life still stands true. And in the midst of it all, um, there's many of us that have been going... That, you know, at the midst of it all, there's many of things that have been going on in our life. And I know that some of us feel like things are not moving forward, right? Like uh, they should or things are at a standstill. But so, and some of us feel like they've been doing all the right things. And it seems like the world is treating them unfair. And because of this, many have made decisions to throw in the towel, to stop doing it God's way, to take matters into our own hands, to make things happen for ourselves and uh, in our own timing and in our own way that we feel that things should happen. And I know the feeling. I felt the same way. Because as, uh, as things were unfolding in my life the last three months, I indeed made the decision that I was going to throw in the towel, that I was going to take matters into my own hands, and I felt that I had enough. I had made a decision in my mind and in my heart that I was going to do things differently. And it was the day that I was to preach the message, the beauty of surrender, that God spoke to me during worship and said, you will not abort the mission. And it was after that message that I sat and reread those different books and had... Uh, and like I said before, that God had instructed me to read and realize that I was feeling many, uh, like many other people were feeling, and also facing some of the same struggles as Abraham and Sarah, taking matters into their own hands. Saul, feeling so insecure that he wanted to please the people around him more than obey God. And because of it, he could not fully surrender his life totally to God. Um, 
and it caused him not to be the best king. Can you imagine being anointed by God through the prophet Samuel, but desiring more of the applause of people than obeying and pleasing God? Looking at the life of Hannah and Penina, both had their own level of favor and blessings, but were blind to the favor that God had in their lives because they coveted what the other had. Eli and his sons, God had given them position, but their desire for more corrupted them and caused them to dishonor God and dishonor the things of God. And yes, our decisions, our situations may be different, but our thoughts for some of us are the same. Our feelings for some of us are the same and our actions for some of us are the same. And we may have become unfruitful and even stagnant, but have we positioned ourselves for fruitfulness? There are five things that um, happens when we lose focus and get out of position. And when I was reading these different chapters, there were a couple of things that uh, really sprung up to me that I want to share with you. So what hinders our fruitfulness? Number one, impatience. Impatience is a war for control. It comes from the unwillingness to trust and submit to, the, to God's timing for our lives and wanting others around us to conform to our expectations, to our needs, to our desires. So we start gathering our own people, making our own connections, and trying to forge our own path. Impatience is a form of unbelief. It's what we feel when we start to doubt the wisdom and guidance of God for our lives. Our impatience is our refusal to wait on God. And now what happens? We're frustrated with our circumstances. We, come at, we become agitated and frustrated with people around us. And in this, we start causing conflicts that damage great relationships and that we eventually end up regretting. And in our impatience, sometimes we're even frustrated with God. And this is a very, very dangerous place to be. Because when we are impatient, we try to force things and we start moving recklessly. We become impulsive in our behavior and we start making life-altering decisions that take us completely out of the will of God. But at the same time, what we don't realize is that the place of waiting, when we are content with waiting on God, is so beneficial to where God is trying to take us. Why? Because oftentimes the place of waiting is our place of preparation. The word of God says in Isaiah 49 and 23, those who wait for me shall not be put to shame. Isaiah 64 and 4 says, for since the world began, no ear has heard and no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait for him. In our waiting, God is working for us. In our waiting, God is preparing us for fruitfulness. So to wait on God doesn't mean we sit and do nothing. It means that we continue to live our lives 
faithfully according to the agenda of God's word as we patiently expect him to answer, as we patiently expect him to move in his own time and in his own way. How many of you know that fruit don't just pop up on a tree? There's a process to it. You got to plant a seed. Pollination needs to happen. Fertilization, growth, development. The color of the fruit changes. It begins to get sweet and soft. The texture changes. It comes into what it really is supposed to be. And then ripening happens and it's ready. There is a process. And for anyone that grows, uh, that grows a fruit tree, you know what it's like waiting on the first lemon to show up? Waiting on that first orange to get to the stage where you can pluck it and eat it? It doesn't happen overnight. It's a process. Impatience hinders our fruitfulness, so we have to patiently wait on the Lord. So what else hinders our fruitfulness? Comparison, a big one. Like Hannah and Penina, comparing our lives to others, comparing our gifts, comparing our talents to others. When we get into that place of comparison, we get into a place of envy. And the things that we're meant to support, like Saul should have supported David in the position that he actually placed him in, but instead, because of his own security and comparison, uh, made many attempts to kill David. Why? Because the people loved David and Saul started comparing himself to David in his heart. So you see, when we get into this place of comparison, instead of support, we bring division. We try to stop or kill what the other is doing. Comparison leads us into a place of resentment. It leads us into a place of bitterness, strife, gossiping, knowingly and unknowingly tearing down the people and the things of the kingdom. And what we don't realize is that our hearts now have become infected and contaminated by sin and we are no longer fruitful and wonder why things have become stagnant in our lives. Why certain areas of our lives are all dried up and why we are not moving forward and we become frustrated because the people we are comparing to ourselves to are moving at the speed of light. Because of comparison and envy, we bring others along so we can gossip and tear down with our mouths and attempt to validate our, in, our own insecure thoughts. And because of this, it's really not the other person, but more about our own insecurity. And this behavior I see all the time. I've seen over the years. Um, I've seen how um, people that get in that place of comparison and envy tear down people, tear down businesses, tear down churches, uh, destroy ministries. You see, this happens so often in the house of God. Why? Because a lot of times you see a person has been serving a long time time and all of a sudden they see others surpass them and they get into a really bad place in their heart and the kicker is they are where they are because they refuse to submit to God's process of refining. They refuse to submit to God's character shaping, to God's molding and what they don't realize is they are in a wilderness that they have created for themselves walking around the same mountain 
mountain over and over again. And it's no one's fault but their own, but they blame their boss, they blame their parents, they blame their pastors, their spouse, and sometimes because they don't want to be honest with the reality of their lives and the condition of their hearts, you'll hear them say the phrase, God has me in this place. When really it's a place they put themselves in. Am I helping somebody today? 2 Corinthians 10 and 12 says, But they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Another version says, Without understanding, or they show how foolish they are. This scripture was Paul answering his critics who were making accusations against his character and who he was as a person. You see, they had uh, their own faulty view of themselves and had set their own standard of how they measured others by how they subconsciously viewed themselves and they stepped into religious judgment. We cannot serve as our own standard, nor should we be the standard we judge others to in our place of comparison. And like Paul's critics, because of jealousy, in our comparison, we deem others as unworthy. But let me tell you, what God has ordained, no one cannot be destroyed. No one can destroy it with their mouths. No one can destroy it with their actions. We have to understand what we are doing when we get to this place of comparison and religious judgment. We are literally cutting off our own branches. And stopping fruitfulness going on through in our own life. And now we get to a place where we're unable to bear fruit. Comparison hinders our fruitfulness. And this leads me to the third thing that hinders our fruitfulness. Pride. Pride puts us in a place where we live according to our own standards, our own beliefs, our own understanding, our own set of rules that we make up for ourselves as we go through our life. And if we aren't careful, we will slip into a pattern of adopting scriptures and only parts of the Bible and thinking that the rest does not apply to us. We've got to know that God stands ready at all times to give us wisdom in abundance. But we have to admit that we need his wisdom for our lives and not a walk around being wise in our own eyes. Proverbs 11 and 2 says, when pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Let me tell you, pride is Satan's sin of choice in the life of a believer. And pride is the number one, is number one on the list of the things that God hates. Pride is the sin that led Satan to rebel against God and set up his own rival kingdom. You see, the enemy uses pride to split a believer's life totally apart because he knows that the power of God will be hindered in his life if he can step in and influence him and bring him to a place of pride. Let me tell you, if the enemy wants to halt production in your life he will, and put you in a dry and barren land, he will jump right into the battlefield of your mind and begin to speak things, begin to make you feel things, make you see things 
that will get you into a place of pride. And because he understands that pride comes before destruction, the enemy understands that that same pride is the first attitude that will disconnect you and put you independent from God. Pride takes your hand out of God's hand and you no longer walk together. It is pride that convinces us that we are superior to others. It is pride that makes us feel like we know better than others and no one can tell us anything. No one can correct us. It is pride that deceives us into thinking that we have all of the answers. I want to say today that we've got to be wise in how we think and make sure that our thoughts line up with the word of God. We've got to be wise in our dealings. We've got to be wise in our speaking if we want to position ourselves for fruitfulness. We've got to stop flying blind and start communicating with the one who is in the control tower, who can see everything and lead us to a place of fruitfulness. I pray that this is helping you because a lot of times we don't see this at work in our lives and we are lost wondering why we are not living a fruitful life and wondering why we are constantly struggling at uh, going through struggles after struggles and hardship after hardship, always finding ourselves striving. And it's because these are the things that are hindering our fruitfulness. The fourth one is lack of persistence. We allow life to just pass us by. We lose our conviction and our dedication to the purpose and the plan for which God has created us. We tend to give up or scale back because of the most minor inconveniences, even when God has given us the strength to keep moving forward. And I think what is most crippling is we live in a world of wanting and needing everything now. And if we don't see it in front of us now, then we're moving on to the next thing. We lose our drive to keep pushing forward when we don't see the fruits on our tree right away. And so I want to give just a small testimony. I was walking with this um, one person. And so um, God was just speaking all of these things to them, right? And as God is speaking, they're moving with God and their lives are just fruitful. God is giving all these opportunities and opening all of these doors. And then that person lost focus and got into doing their own thing. And then everything stopped. And when everything stopped, they lost the persistence to get back on the train and keep going. And so what they did was try to move to the next best thing. And next thing I know, uh, this person calls me and said, you know, I think that I'm not going to do this. I'm going to do that. And I was like, wait a minute. Now, I know you told me that God said do X, Y, Z. Why are we changing this now? Why are we changing this now? And so I listened to them and I moved on. And so I was, you know, it, it bothered me and I couldn't shake it. And so I really started praying for this person and asking God, like, what is going on? And the Lord said, they're tired of waiting. Wow. They're tired of waiting. 
And so because they were tired of waiting, they lacked the persistence to keep on going, to keep on moving, and was about to get outside of the will of God for their lives and move on to the next best thing. But thankfully, God shut those doors and they couldn't enter in and they had no choice but to get back on the road with God. But what if this person wasn't consistent in their prayer life? To hear God, to get them back on the road and would have taken the other road. A lot of times a road looks good, but it leads us to destruction. And if she would not have been consistently in prayer and seeking God, she would have gotten on a different road that could have led to destruction and out of the will of God. 1 Corinthians 15 and 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. So we can't get weary or give up because our labor, the Bible says, is not in vain. Nothing we do for the kingdom is wasted when we make God's agenda our own. God sees what we do and he has a reward stored up for us that will exceed our wildest dreams. You see, in our lack of persistence, I hear people say that they're waiting on God, but our step will begin to fertilize our life and cause our life to begin to bear fruit. We're standing looking at the tree, but have we watered it? Have we tilled the soil? Some of us are looking at the ground and waiting for the fruit to come, but forgot to plant a seed. And wonder why nothing is happening and everything is at a standstill. We have to do something. We can't stand idle. We can't allow our lack of persistence to keep us in a place of unfruitfulness. We got to keep moving. Amen? Amen. Amen. Lastly, what will hinder our fruitfulness? The biggest one, fear. Fear is the number one cause of unfruitfulness. The source of our fear can, uh, can be attra- uh, attributed to our lack of faith and trust in God, maybe our fear of failure, um, our perception of ourselves and the vastness of what God has created us to do, sometimes fear of the unknown. And fear also rears its head out of the need for our, out of our need for validation and approval. Yes, the fear of man. Fear of what people will say. Fear of what people will think about us. Fear will keep us focused on the past and always worried about the future. And fear will either cause us to procrastinate and hold back or it will completely paralyze us and keep us from moving at all. But guess what? Isaiah 41 and 10 says, don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my righteous right hand. Is God not awesome? 
We have nothing to worry about. We have nothing to fear because he is doing this thing called life with us. Everything he is calling us to do is not to be done alone, but walking hand in hand with God our Father and being led by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that God does not give us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. And I remember early on talking to Pastor Susan about some of the fears that I had going on in my life, especially my fear of speaking. Why? Because I feared, man, what will people think of me? What will people say about me? Will people like me? Can you imagine living your life that way in fear of man and what? people will think of you. But it caused me to not have confidence in myself or have confidence in God. And it caused me uh, to be unfruitful even in the workplace and in the things God was calling me to. And so the first thing Pastor Susan said to me was, Amanda, we don't look to man for validation. She said, and so how do we combat this? We combat it by pushing it back and stepping into it. So I had to keep stepping into speaking, legs shaking, knees knocking, stomach rumbling until I conquered my fear. Amen. We can't allow fear to keep us from bearing fruit. Um, There's two really great quotes that I like. One by Dale Carnegie, and it says, do the thing you fear to do and keep doing it. That is the quickest and surest way ever yet discovered to conquer fear. The second is a quote by Nelson Mandela that says, I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave is not who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. Amen. So we can't allow these things to come into our lives um, and get us to a place of unfruitfulness. We we can't allow impatience and the need for control, our comparison uh, of ourselves against others and our religious judgment against people, our pride and having to be wise in our own eyes, our lack of persistence and our fear to hinder our fruitfulness. But we must position ourselves for fruitfulness. So how do we do this? Number one, We've got to renew our minds. Romans 12 and 2 says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. And so we have to understand that we are not conforming, nor can we transform our way of thinking. But when God has all of us and the world has none of us, God can then come in and renew our way of thinking. And we have to understand that it's difficult to renew our minds when we have one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. Because that's where mixture comes in. That's where we see confusion. We see that our beliefs are not totally grounded in the word of God. Again, mixture. 
We cannot move into a place of fruitfulness in God with an old mindset or a mindset conformed to this age and this world system. Uh, that is why, as we see even today, um, the world system is trying to leave God completely out. So in order to renew our minds, we have to get to a place where we can totally offer ourselves completely to God, so much so that our relationship with the world now becomes altered. Yeah. Ephesians 4 and 23 and, uh, through 24 says, instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. As believers, if we are going to position ourselves for fruitfulness, we can't go back to that old worldview and that old way of thinking that we had before Christ. We have to put on the new nature, which requires a new way of thinking, that requires a renewed mind. And understand that when we surrender to God, our renewed mind then allows God to merge his thoughts with our thoughts so that he can then bring his plans into our lives through what he calls the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. It's through God's plans and purpose for our lives that we see his fruitfulness begin to come into full manifestation in our lives. It starts with the renewing of our minds. And so if we want to position ourselves for fruitfulness, we've got to allow ourselves to really total surrender our lives to God so that he can come in and transform our lives. Not only do we have to renew our minds, but we've got to seek God's plan. Our plan is not going to bring fruitfulness, at least not the fruitfulness God has for us. We've got to seek God for his plan for our lives. And positioning ourselves for fruitfulness is not devising our own plan and demanding God to put his stamp of approval on it. It's not what it is. We have to seek God. Why? Because God says in Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for you. So we have to seek God for his plan for our lives. And we have to want to be guided and, uh, and have his primary guidance uh, to get us to the place that he wants us to be. And so how do we get there? By reading the word and constantly learning from it. We will gain the wisdom to perceive God's direction for our lives when we are willing to seek God, learn from his word, obey his commands. We will discover God's plan. And in seeking to discover God's plan, we have to know that each of us were placed here, created for purpose. All of us. God intentionally designed us for purpose here on this earth. And so if, we've got to, if we're going to seek God's plan, we've got to know that we have purpose inside of us. And so when we know that we have purpose inside, inside of us, there's a desire to seek, a, seek God to know what that purpose is. A lot of times people are walking around aimlessly not knowing that God has created them to do great things. And because they don't know this, they don't seek God for their, the purpose for their lives. A lot of times they're waiting for somebody to tell me, what am I supposed to do? But we can't find it through people. We've got to seek God for it. 
and just get uh, and be able to discern what is the perfect plan that he has for our lives. As we are seeking his plan and walking with him, we also have to know that wherever we find ourselves, whether it's in the, on the mountaintop, whether it's in the valley or at a crossroad in our life, we can be assured that God is there with us. And he does have a purpose and a plan for our lives. And so when we are positioning ourselves for fruitfulness, sometimes the path God puts us on is not filled with rose bushes and sunny days. Yeah, in scripture, when following David's life, I was thinking to myself, my God, when reading about the struggles and the challenges he faced, but I believe that David understood that he needed God's blueprint. He needed to get the plan from God for his life. And we see in Psalm 25, 4, where David says, make me know your ways, Lord, and teach me your paths. Because often we can get derailed because the path we are on are filled with challenges and hard days. And if we are not continuously seeking God for his plan for our life, we will get off of that road filled with challenges and sometimes designed by God to refine us and lead us to a life of fruitfulness. And we can get on a road that looks good, like I said before, and lead us to a place of destruction. Jeremiah 33 and 3 says, call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. God desires to see us walk out our purpose and live a fruitful life, a life filled with abundance. And yes, God is ready to answer us when we call. But at the same time, God really does not need us to seek him in order to make things happen in our life. But when we seek him, we are acknowledging that he alone is God and that we need him. That we can't accomplish his purpose and plan for our lives without him. We need his assistance. We need his guidance that will lead us to the life of fruitfulness. And so if you want to position yourself for fruitfulness, you have to renew your mind. You have to seek God's plan. And we have to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us. John 16 and 13 says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. God gave us this beautiful gift of the Holy Spirit so that we could understand the truth. You see, the Holy Spirit conveys the truth of God without any spin on it, and through the Holy Spirit, God guides us in a way of all truth and withholds nothing from us. It is the Holy Spirit that helps us to discern right from wrong. It is the Holy Spirit that reveals God's thoughts to us and his thoughts about us. It is the Holy Spirit when we allow him to lead us that is at work in our lives to bring transformation and to impart wisdom to give us knowledge and understanding of the world that God has us on. It is the Holy Spirit that illuminates the dark areas in our lives to give us clear vision of the purpose that God has for us. It is the Holy Spirit who is is our helper that nurtures us and helps us to grow and blossom and produce lasting fruit. 
The Holy Spirit as in it is an important part of us stepping in to a life of fruitfulness. The Bible said he will tell us of what is yet to come. In this, he will stop our feet from stumbling and warn us of the wiles of the enemy. He will encourage us through the gift of prophecy to keep us, keep us running the race and to uh, keep us, um, uh, help us to stay the course. So when we position ourselves for fruitfulness, when we come into partnership with the Holy Spirit and allow him to help us, we are intentionally designed to live fruitful lives by the leading of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 2 and 10 says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, works which God prepared in advance for us to do. That means we don't have to worry or concern ourselves about what God has ordained us to do. His plans for us, he has already prepared in advance. Psalm 33 and 11 says, but the plans of the Lord stand forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. That means that his plan and purpose for our lives is already set and nothing is going to change that. Amen. And so it is so important to stick with God's plan and not try to create our own because the Bible says many are the plans in a man's heart. But it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. And we cannot put a time limit on God. Why? Because again, scripture says there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. So how will you position yourselves for fruitfulness? If you want to have fruit and fruit that will remain, it is all in how we position ourselves. It's our desire to want to have our minds shifted. It is allowing the Holy Spirit to come in and speak truth about where we are in our minds. A lot of times that's the thing that we don't want to know. We don't want to know that we have a religious way of thinking. We don't want to know that our, our heart is contaminated with envy and bitterness and all of this stuff that's hindering our fruitfulness. We don't want to know these things about ourselves. But there's something beautiful about allowing the Holy Spirit to come in and transform your life. I think the, the, the greatest thing that I, you know, that I know that has ever happened in my life was um, other than salvation, is really surrendering to the work of the Holy Spirit. I remember bring, being in a really, really bad place in my heart. And I thought I was okay, right? So you're doing your thing and things are happening and you think you're okay and your heart is a complete mess. And our fruit stopped, right? And so I had to sit down and take a look at my life and and try to understand, like, what's going on. Because, of course, I didn't feel right. Especially when you are de depending on the leading of the Holy Spirit. He'll let you know, things are not right, ma'am. You need to go and sit with God and sort this thing out. And so I took a week. That's how bad it was. <laughs> 
And I got at the feet of God, and I stayed there until he showed me my ugly, nasty, dirty self. And he uncovered so many things that was in my heart that I did not realize. I had come under the influence of a spirit because of this. And walking around thinking that I'm okay and not. Because I would not be transparent with the truth that the Holy Spirit was showing me. So I had to deal with me and accept the low down dirty truth about myself. And I remember after God showing me those things, I had so much shame. And I went into my room and, you know, I was crying and the presence of God just filled the room. And I remember wanting to cover my face. And God said, no, ma'am. I don't give my children shame. I love you. And when I created you, I knew you would walk in this place. But even in knowing that you would walk in this place, I knew that we would have this time of healing and restoration and reconciliation. And when that happened in my life, there you see, repositioning. (laughs) Fruit. Fruitfulness became, started to flow again. But we've got to be all right. We've got to position ourselves for that. We've got to be okay with looking at ourselves in the mirror and not just looking at other people because that's where our growth happens. That's where we're able, where God strengthens us and we're able to carry the things that he is calling us to carry. Because let me tell you, the things that he's calling us to carry is going to bring much fruit. But we won't be able to carry that fruit if we're in this place. So we've got to position ourselves to carry the fruitfulness that God has for our lives. I think the the most important note when positioning ourselves for fruitfulness is uh, the last thing. We must walk in oneness with God. John 15 and 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I think this scripture says it all. If we are to position ourselves for fruitfulness, we must be one with God. Branches cannot bear fruit. If it's not connected to the vine. The truth of the matter is as believers, we must be connected to Jesus if we are to bear fruit and have fruitful lives. Many people try to do good and be honest people who do what is right. But Jesus, uh, but Jesus says the only way to live a fruitful life is to stay close to him. Like a branch attached to a vine, our relationship with Christ is our source. Because he is the only one who can provide spiritual sustenance and vitality that's needed to be fruitful Christians. Apart from Christ, our efforts are unfruitful. We have no source of fruitfulness within ourselves. We need God. We need to not know of him, but we have 
got to get to a place where we have intimate relationship with the Father. We've got to know him, not just know of him. Our lives have to be intertwined so much so that we walk as one. We talk as one. We move as one. We can do nothing without him. And why would we? Acts 17 and 28 says, for in him we live and move and have our being. And since God is the sum of our total life, it is in getting to know him intimately that we truly come to know who we are and what we have been created to be. We have been created to bear fruit. Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you may bear fruit and fruit that will last. Have you positioned yourself for fruitfulness? Or do you see areas in your life where you've allowed impatience? Comparison. Lack of persistence. Pride. Fear to hinder your fruitfulness. You don't have to stay in that place. It's easy. You can reposition yourself. And position yourself for fruitfulness. Can I have the band to come back up? One of the great things is to surrender our life totally to God and allow him, of course, like I said before, to renew our minds. And really have a desire to seek God for what he has created us to do. It's important for us to yield to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Because it's the, the yielding to the Holy Spirit that keeps us on the right path, keeps us in tune with God, helps us to know the truth of what God is saying and if we're really hearing God or not. So important to be yielded to the Holy Spirit and allowing him to lead us. And like I said, lastly, we've got to walk hand in hand with God. If we want to position ourselves for fruitfulness, we've got to be like this with God and understand apart from him, from him, we can do nothing. You know, a lot of times people try to move ahead of God, do their own things. And yeah, you see fruit, but will that fruit be lasting fruit? I don't know you, about you, but I want fruit that will last I don't want fruit that I can create. I want God's fruitfulness in my life. I want his plan and his purpose to come into full manifestation in my life. And I don't want anything to hinder the purpose and plan for my life that God has for my life. And so the minute I start to see fear or comparison rear its ugly head, I start chopping down that tree. Yeah, because I don't want that type of fruit to begin to take root and bear fruit in my life. I want the fruitfulness of God, the love, the peace, the joy of God to be the fruit in my life. I want to walk in his purpose and his plan because I know that his purpose and plan is perfect. I know that through him I will lack no good thing. So I want to just 
say that on today, I want to ask the ministry leaders to come up. And if you know that you've been in this place and things have been just a little stagnant and you're not seeing fruitfulness in your life and maybe you've identified with one or two of these things that have been hindering you, today is a great day to be transparent with God and chop down that tree and allow God to plant seeds in your life that would produce great fruit and fruit that will last. And so I'm opening up the altar today. And if you feel that push to come up for prayer, let the ministry leaders pray for you and speak life into you to push you into the next level. We don't want to stay where we are. We want the fruitfulness of God in our lives. Eshikari yada da ma yada da na si kere yada da da siya.